Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas that you can use absolutely today to take your leadership to the next level. Exclusively now part of the SCU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University, and I'm excited to introduce our co-host for today's show, Nick Walstead. Nick serves as our VP for Unrestricted Education and uh, so grateful that you had time today. Stop by and, and be a part of this show, Nick. Thanks, Kent. Thanks for having me on. Excited for How, the conversation. How's life been in uh, the pandemic world these days? Yeah, you know, I think 2020 has just been a great year overall. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, it's been, it's been good. I got... Uh, uh, you know, as we were in really in lockdown mode for about 90 days, I was walking a ton, just doing laps around the neighborhood, trying to stay active. So it's been okay, trying to focus on the good. Yeah, and and I know you're in CrossFit. In fact, you uh, you do competitions in CrossFit, right? I've done a few. Yeah, okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not nationally competitive or anything. That's how I stay active, you know, try to keep up around here at SEU. <laughs> yeah. So, Well, it's all about discipline, right? That's right. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, is the gym open? Uh, it's open now for you. CrossFit yeah. gym's open, right? Yeah, our gyms are open and, and you don't have to wear a mask uh, necessarily. There's most of the workouts are outdoor, stuff like okay. that. So it's been good. Good deal. Yeah. Well, today we're going to have a conversation about uh, restruct about restructuring um, for growth and sustainability. You know, when we talk about growth and sustainability, you know, we're really talking about the essence of what a true hor- uh, healthy organization is all about. And you have to have both. You can't. You know, there's a lot of you know organizations that grow, but they don't. They're not healthy because they can't grow their systems or there's, you know, no sustainability there. And as an organization grows there, there must be the systems in place that allow that growth to really be long-term sustainable. Long-term health is always the priority over Mm. short-term growth. Um, In in our context here at at SEU, uh, uh, growth and sustainability has always come out, they've come out of our, you know, framing process. And, And in fact, as you know, every single decision uh, our leadership team makes must go through that framing process. And that has four uh, unique steps. It's listening, it's uh, auditing, it's clarifying, and then it's aligning everything to put us on that pathway to growth and sustainability. Our unrestricted education model was birthed out of this framing process. It was birthed out of the process because we were looking at the issues in, in higher ed specifically, um, when it comes to having unique ac- access to, you know, educational models, delivery, um, also looking at affordability and then having experiential education. And Nick, I know you've been, you know, a vital piece in the success of UE over the years. You've led this particular college. There has been tremendous growth with our extension sites. This past um, academic season, we had uh, 100 and, uh, 150, yeah. and we're about to add this fall uh, to that about what? 30 or 40 more. 30 or 40 there. more. Yeah. So, I mean, very successful. So what have you learned about change over you know the last uh, couple of years? Yeah. Well, Ken, I think you nailed it. You know, um, a systematic approach is absolutely one of the keys. Uh, I think one of the distinctives uh, about SEU um, is an intentional listening posture. And I think you've modeled that. I think that the organization, the institution uh, really works hard to cultivate uh, listening opportunities at a lot of levels with students, with staff, faculty, partnerships, uh, many levels. So, 
I think it's interesting that when it comes to change, when we when we start off with this posture of listening, it helps frame the necessity for change. You know, we know it. We work in higher education day in and day out, and uh, higher ed is due long overdue, in fact, probably for uh, broad change, for big change. And I think that's something you, that SEU sensed uh, several years ago. So uh, intentionally uh, listening really helps us as an, as an institution and helps our department. Uh, but really even broader than that, helps the industry of higher ed understand, hey, why can't we stay here? Why do we need to change when we listen? We understand some of those factors. Right. So, Yeah, Absolutely. You know, a big question that we have had to ask ourselves, I think, in, in all of it is, how do you know when it's time to restructure and change? Um, if, if, you know, you've ever heard of the S-curve, uh, the sigmoid curve, uh, we talk about it a lot here, you know, yeah. the curve of an organization, you know, how they start out, how they grow, you know, when they plateau, when they start declining, those kinds yeah. of things. Um, it's a common tool. The, the S-curve is, is used to track and talk a lot about... Um, the natural life cycle of an organization. And it's a, it really is a mathematical concept uh, that is used to show the growth, the plateau, the, the decline of an organization's performance over a period of time. Uh, the secret to beating the curve, though, is innovation mm -hmm. and, and pushing that innovation before you begin to reach plateau status. And so oftentimes you're pushing innovation in an organization when people may think, well, why do we need to innovate? Because everything's going well. My goodness, you know, um, you know, record growth. Uh, everything seems to be in, in, you know, the systems working, and and yeah. so a lot of people think, you know, why do we need to change then? But but oftentimes that's when innovation really needs to step in, and that's really the secret to beating, you know, the curve. Uh, and before your previous curve begins to plateau and decline, you've got to innovate uh, in a way or in a system that pushes your organization to something brand new, right. something fresh. Right. And, and so Nick, in your experience, um, what have you done to push the boundaries of innovation, even when it seems things, you know, especially in UE, you know, are progressing so, so well? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. That's a it's a tough one, maybe to always know the right answer to at the right time. I think that's where it really helps to have uh, institutional buy-in, kind of committed to the. Like you said, we're committed as a university uh, to this growth, to this innovation. So, you know, I think that as we've seen this um, this meteor, kind of the exponential growth phase for for our, at least our department, but really for the whole university, has really been the last three, four years. I think in that process, something interesting is we've noticed, I've noticed this pull, this kind of drift towards predictability, you mm. know, that at every level, uh, there's this question lurking out there, almost like a temptation, you know, it'd just be so nice if things would be predictable, they'd be easy to manage, we could steward this growth. Uh, in a really predictable way, even at a predictable pace. And the reality, though, I think that we've discovered is, you know, that's not where education is, that's right. not where students are at, right. uh, that's not where our partnerships are at. So uh, to your question, you know, we, we've we tried to embrace kind of two phrases we say on our team. We have a few cultural mindsets. Two things we say are we have a tolerance for ambiguity and we <laughs> right. embrace the frontier. Yep. And uh, it's really a way to communicate, I think, for us that, hey, you know, we're – 
Uh, if you don't like those things, you're probably going to find yourself frustrated because there's going to be this constant innovation. Just when you think um, uh, things are going to become predictable uh, or, or there's a desire for predictability, it may be time to change. And, and even at an individual level, someone on a team may not know why, but from a broader standpoint, well, it's like we, we have to keep innovating, like you said. So, uh, And I know that's something that's part of your leadership rhythm, Ken. It'd be interesting. I think uh, you're, you're a... Um, uh, an intuitive leader, you know, I think you often sense and kind of discern what's happening, uh, maybe even before everybody else notices. Uh, what are some of the markers that maybe you look for? You know? Well, you know, um, I think first and foremost, yeah, discernment is, is actually very important in, in my life. And discernment grows out of, um, you know, being disciplined in the process, in the framing process, for me, mm. uh, and 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 it comes mostly for me out of uh, listening, um, and and taking time to get a good um, ear to the ground mm -hmm. as to what are the issues, what are the challenges, what are the the celebrations, what are the things that you know enabled us uh, to to move forward in different and new and unique ways. I mean, I I remember coming to the university. Um, back in 2010 uh, and, and, you know, uh, coming into an organization that had, uh, had a successful decade of growth under mm -hmm. the previous president, uh, but the, the in-between period between the past president and myself, two years took place. And mm -hmm. in an organization that doesn't have a leader to guide the process of growth or yeah. change uh, is going to start that downward spiral, right? And quite honestly, that was what was happening here at SEU when when I um, uh, came on the on the scene. And a lot of it had to do with enrollment decline. Mm -hmm. uh, the enrollment over those two years had declined over seven hundred students. Uh, revenue had declined by you know uh, over fifteen million. Wow. I mean, it was and yeah. most institutions like ours, which are enrollment driven, mm -hmm. uh, and rely on you know, tuition, um, you know, uh, and we're tuition driven, you have a couple of those cycles and it, it can, no matter how horth, how healthy you think you are, yeah. it can, it can affect that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so in order to know where you need to go, you have to start with that foundational discernment piece of listening. And yeah. so I, I remember we started listening exercises pretty comprehensive, more so than, than the norm, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it was pretty fascinating to to listen to groups. We use the appreciative inquiry approach, which is mm -hmm. more of a positive approach rather than a negative. Instead of saying what's wrong with an organization, what's right with an organization, yeah. what are yeah. strengths, things like that. That's, and yeah. and in order to know where we're going in as an organization, I think it always comes down to the potential of the people that are there. Mm -hmm. So you have to listen. You have to take time. That was. What allowed us, I think, to move our our organization towards a path of growth and and innovation, and then since we've moved the conversation towards people, I mm -hmm. I, I want to hear uh, about your team because it is, it's all about relationship. It's all about the people that are there. It's all about who they are, their gifts, their skills, their experiences, and um, I want to hear about your team. You've you have actually forged. Uh, to you know, you put together a high-performing team in in UE, and 
I, I look at what you've done. It's, it's been uh, amazing and you've got a great team and, you know, you've put together people with different talents and passions around a common vision of innovation. So what has made your team so cohesive while also keeping that constive, uh, constant, you know, embrace of change? Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, uh, appreciate that, Kent. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of our team. Uh, I know I'm biased, but I think we do. You know, I think we have an all-star team in UE, and and like you identified, we do. We have people from different backgrounds. Uh, I think a few things probably go into this. One, a key one for us, uh, is we start out focusing. Uh, on our mission. You know, what's our mission as a university? What's our mission as a department within that university serving students who aren't learning uh, here on a traditional campus? So what's our mission in that? That We, we try to allow that to be uh, the primary connection point for new team members. And then we even try to uh, continually come back to that focus uh, for, for uh, really for everyone on our team at every level. Uh, our hope is that um, Everyone on our team understands their role in fulfilling the university's mission, which is helping students discover and develop their divine design, as well as making education affordable uh, and accessible. So I think a simple way to phrase that is to say, hey, you know, we, we point to what we're doing, who we're doing it for, and why it matters, and then we allow... Uh, try to build culture really around there as opposed to saying, hey, we're going to have this vibrant culture that attracts people. We try to put our mission uh, out in front. And, and I think what, you know, what's been interesting about that, uh, like you identified, we, we really do. We have a, a high caliber team uh, representing talent from all kinds of different backgrounds, team members from uh, large format, multi-site local churches, uh, higher education innovators. We have new, uh, freshly minted MBAs who are excited to dig right. in and and uh, we can focus all that energy and all those different backgrounds and talents around this common purpose, uh, which is not really even about serving the university. You know, it's about serving God's kingdom. It's about serving students. And so we try to keep the mission uh, uh, focused there. You know, I think it, it's interesting, too. It's, it's one of the things for us. You know, we're just part of this broader institution. And so I've heard you say it here on the podcast. Uh, I've heard you say it in your leadership regularly, you know, this phrase, context right. is key. Context yeah. is everything. I think it'd be interesting to hear when it comes to finding new team members for you, uh, w what role does context play in kind of finding the right fit? Yeah, well, I can tell you when I'm when I'm thinking, you know, uh, about implementing change, uh, you know, I think about people, you know, as we've talked mm -hmm. um, uh, about, and I, and I think about systems, people and, and systems. Systems are created by people to um, really, you know, carry out the ideas and the new curves in an organization. So without systems in place to sustain, you know, operations, the future of an organization, I think, often can, can be put in, in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. in, in the systems, I think, that we create, there must be a human presence. Uh, and, uh, and, and not only a human presence, but there has to be excellence present. There has to be focus in, in, in all aspects. There's more to finding, you know, to, to find, you know, uh, greater levels of efficiency to discover in the systems that we, we create. And, and I, I want to share with you a story because one of the books that, you know, I, I, I love, and yeah. we talk at, about it a lot is, is, a is the book Good to Great, and, and I brought it with me for, for this podcast. But there's a, a, a story from this, uh, here in this book that I think is, it really emphasizes the importance of systems and the implementation of, mm -hmm. of systems. But it, it says this, it, it says most people um, think that, you know, Sam Walton, 
mm-hmm. who you know uh, who you know created Walmart, mm-hmm. uh, just exploded onto the scene with his visionary ideas for rural discount uh, retail. Uh, retailing, Mm -hmm. hitting breakthrough almost as a startup company, but nothing could be further from the truth, which I I thought was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Sam Walton began in 1945 with a single dime store. He didn't open his second store until seven years later. Mm -hmm. Walton built incrementally, step-by-step, turn-by-turn of the flywheel until the hedgehog concept of large discount marts popped out as a natural evolutionary step in the mid-1960s. It took Walton a quarter of a century to grow from that single dime store to a chain of 38 Walmarts. Then from 1970 to 2000, Walmart hit breakthrough momentum and exploded to over 3,000 stores Hmm. with over 150 billion, that's billion, (laughs) I mean, in, in, in revenues. So, so when you think about that, I mean, and, and that's just one story. That, that's in that in that book. Um, mm-hmm. So as, as you reflect, you know, even on that story uh, of Sam Walton and, mm-hmm. and, and and your own leadership, what advice would you give a a leader um, trying to implement a new system into an organization? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think you know, uh, just like in that story, it, it seems like systems, uh, I, I noticed this for people on our team and really people on a lot of teams, uh, the need for a new system, usually the team knows it, you know, it's not some mystery, it's not unknown. I think there's a sense that maybe things aren't working as well as they could be. Uh, as in Sam's story, which I wish we all could be Sam Walton, <laughs> right. but, uh, but you know, this idea that, hey, through this process, what emerged was their natural niche in the market. And so I think we've, I've noticed that for our team is as you're constantly innovating, I think what we encourage the team regularly to do is bring their highest and best contribution and don't worry about trying to retool the systems all the time. What will likely occur uh, is that the best system, uh, the, the need to change things broadly will become obvious to a lot of people. I think that's another key thing for us is especially at a university where uh, there are a lot of different moving parts, you know, working together. There's probably a temptation to create systems that work for your team that might have negatively or um, uh, might cause disruption in other areas. So I think that's something we encourage our teams to do is say, hey, look, I know this might not be working perfectly, but there's likely going to be a point where uh, the macro system needs an overhaul, sure. and so uh, we can kind of get a pulse on that. Yeah, that's good. Well, as we move into the fire round, I want us to hit four practical application points that uh, our listeners can hopefully take away from this podcast. And I'll start off with the first point. I think before um, embarking on a journey of growth, make sure, again, you have the systems in place to handle that growth. I know we just finished talking a few minutes ago, uh, but but here's an idea. You're not going to start, for example, a road trip if you don't have a vehicle that is capable of going across the country. I mean, that's just right. common sense. And even then, you have to have the fuel to make it from point A to point B. So so that's extremely important. Yep, absolutely. I think number two, uh, natural second point, uh, when you're designing the systems, I think it's so important to make sure you're listening first. If not, you kind of run this risk of you're going to create systems, you're going to answer questions no one's asking, you're going to serve the organization first. In that model, you may, you want to make sure you understand where the, where's the family want to go. We don't want to take them in the wrong direction. Exactly. I think a third application is, uh, for creating sustainable growth, you need to have the right people. 
That's extremely important. If the vehicle is the system, mm -hmm. then the fuel is the people. Leaders need to understand that change can be very stressful and it, it, it is essential to have you know, buy-in from your team. Uh, and, and you need leaders that will be a, a proponent for the mission of your organization. So make sure, I think what's important is that you have the right people in place, right people are in the right seats at, at the right time. Right. And I think number four, right off that, uh, the fourth thing uh, would be keep the mission, and this is really a fight, but you got to keep the mission front and center. I think, and like what you described, when you have a lot of talented leaders leading well, mission drift can kind of creep in. Uh, so along with these high caliber leaders, if you're continually realigning them towards a shared mission, uh, you just kind of are able to yeah. step back, watch what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank you for joining me today on, on the Framework Leadership Podcast. I'm thankful for your insights uh, on restructuring for growth and, and sustainability. And for all of our listeners, I hope that you leave uh, this conversation with a better understanding of what it takes to get on the road to uh, having a healthy, uh, growing organization and one that lasts, one that is sustainable. Remember that long-term health trumps short-term growth anytime. Well, we will see you next time on Framework Leadership.